Hey there, just Cal popping in really quick to let you know that we're hosting a cash prize, 100% proxy friendly webcam CEDH tournament on our Discord. First place will receive $500 cash, while second through fourth will receive $250 each. The tournament will be held on February 22nd and will start at 10 a.m. EST sharp. All you have to do to enter is to sign up to any Patreon tier or subscribe to our Twitch. We're also currently looking for sponsors for the podcast, offering pre-roll, mid-roll, and post-roll across our entire podcast catalog at affordable prices. Reach out through our social media channels or email ryan at playingwithpowermtg.com for more information. If you want to go hard in the yard, you gotta check out this card. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Playing With Power podcast, the podcast where we talk about all things CEDH, EDH, and Magic the Gathering. I am your host, Ryan. And I am your host, Ian. And today, we're going to be talking about Modern Horizons 2. Not just the set in general, but a retrospective, seeing which cards from the set actually ended up being performers or underperformers in the CEDH format. Before we go any further, though, I want to talk quickly about our sponsors. They are TCG Player, they are Dragon Shield, and they are your support from viewers like you over on Patreon. So whenever you purchase your cards and accessories, be sure to buy them from TCGPlayer.com. They give some of the best prices on the internet, and you still get to support local game stores in the process. Whenever you receive it, make sure to protect it with Dragon Shield. They are the best in the business when it comes to quality, and PWP has been using them to protect our stuff forever. Also, this content comes from the support of viewers like you over on Patreon. We have all kinds of benefits for our patron, including Patreon meetup days, Discord access, webcam tournaments, webcam leagues, and just a ton of other stuff. So uh, make sure to check that out, uh, and we hope to see you over there. And one lucky patron gets a shout-out today, so thank you very much to Adam Milo. You helped to make this podcast a reality. Thank you very much, Adam. All right, so for today's main topic, we're going to talk about a retrospective of Modern Horizons 2. Now, to break down what we're going to be doing today, we are basically going to be rating the hype level of the cards from Modern Horizons 2, how people in the community and how we personally reacted to these cards. And now that we are months after the set's release, we are looking at them from a what actual legitimate impact have they had on the CEDH format and maybe things that are still being slept on, things that are being overplayed at the current moment because they're still very new and exciting. And we're going to talk about all of that now with time and a more educated focus on it. Yep, definitely. So when you first start out uh, with a new set that gets spoiled, mostly a lot of conjecture just goes into it. Yes. Um, so you're kind of thinking of how it will be. And there are plenty of times when just as you get out into the wild, you start putting into these into your decks, you start to see certain things maybe doing a little bit better than you thought before, and or just maybe doing a lot worse than you thought before. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you the amount of times I've, I've looked at a spoiled card. And I said, this card is so busted. It breaks this deck <laughs> wide open. It's the best thing ever. <laughs> and then like it's just complete garbage and you're like oh, well, i was really wrong about that because it's you know yeah. super easy to play around or it's just a dead <laughs> card anyway i could go on about my horrible takes all day long but we're not going to do that one so. of my one of my favorite parts about that time in in 
the the content sphere is always the overhype thumbnails where people are like everything's in on fire or this is perfect <laughs> yeah exactly everyone's yeah it's like best new card in the format this breaks this wide open xyz win con is no longer viable or something it's yeah. just something ridiculous every time so uh, it's so it's it's a really fun time to look at content creators out there and see what they do a lot of surprised faces in the yep. thumbnails guilty things like that yeah <laughs> you are one of many it, 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 it does we do it because it works okay it works you don't click on the thumbnails we won't do the pretend surprise face Awesome. So the first cards we're going to be talking about for this review are the cards that we're just calling our appropriate hype level cards where, you know, people evaluated them one way and they actually did it. (laughs) Yep. They weren't higher or lower. They were someone said, hey, this card we think will do this. And it does exactly that. It doesn't overperform or underperform. Or if we did overperform it, we did say it was super hyped. It actually did do what it said it was going to do. Exactly. So they were just exactly where everyone thought they were going to be right the first one of these cards i think super obvious to anyone who's looking at this set is ignoble hierarch um maybe most obviously because it is just a color shifted version of a staple of our format and not a staple of the format that's inherently broken just like an amazing card right ignoble hierarch has been a fantastic staple for cedh for a really long time ignoble hierarch is no different it's cleaned up some thrasios file smasher decks just a good card Yep, nothing new to add there. It's exact. We mm-hmm. it's performing exactly like it. Everyone thought it was going to. It's Jun exactly. hierarch. Yeah. It goes really well in anything that has at least Jun colors. Mm-hmm. Um, another one is Dalthy Voidwalker. So this one I think was really really uh, interesting, but also at the same time I think it definitely lived up to all the hype that it had. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of people were really high on this card, and as we're seeing it actually in the wild, mm-hmm. there's a good reason why people yeah. were high on the card. Yeah. It was it's a very <laughs> very good performer. It what yeah. it does with nuking graveyards and what it does with being able to steal stuff. It is putting people off of plans. Like yep. I'm not going to cast a possible spell into it if I know that that spell could then be cast for free. So yeah. it's almost like a pseudo stacks piece in that mm-hmm. aspect alone the fact yeah. that it can connect with shadow and stuff like that it's just it's doing everything that we thought it would yeah. do so it's doing very good job <laughs> i've definitely resolved that card and received many expletives from my opponents in response. <laughs> <laughs> no my breach lines oh. yeah exactly <laughs> yeah all right, and our last card we want to put on the even level is Profane Tutor. Now, the thing with Profane Tutor is it is pretty much unplayed in the majority of places in the format. However, in the places that it is played, it is inherently busted, and that's kind of the the level of that card, right? We expected it to do some really broken, degenerate things, and then if you're trying to play that in a fair way, it's not CEDH competitive. Yeah, everyone was super low on this card, and that's where exactly where it should have been. It's mm-hmm, it's not mm-hmm. a playable card in our part of the format. It's uh, absolutely busted in where everyone said it was going to be busted in yeah. the things with Cascade or pseudo right. Cascade. Looking at you, yep. Cody. And uh, <laughs> yeah. but other than that, it's absolutely unplayable. Yeah. So it's <laughs> it, it it does great in the decks that mm-hmm. it's in. All two yeah. of them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Cody and Yidris. It's yeah, great. Cody and Yidris. <laughs> you're welcome for the new piece of tech. Yeah, but. <laughs> Other than that, yeah, it's exactly where it should be, in my opinion. Right. All right. Uh, so we didn't want to have a million of those on there because 
you know, people are really bad about estimating cards. So mm-hmm. <laughs> we're going to get into the longer list now. Yeah. And this um, is where we start incurring the wrath of the viewers, I assume. That's fine. Bring it on. Watch the subscriber count fall. I, I live and thrive on your tears. I'm just kidding. Please don't. Please don't unsubscribe. We love you. <laughs> so, okay. So we're going to start right off with a really hot one. And that is Ragavan, Nimble mm-hmm. Pilferer. That is everybody's favorite or least favorite monkey. He's the legendary two one for one that does a billion and a half things. I can't believe mm-hmm. they put this many things on this card. It's yeah. absolutely ridiculous. So this is this. I think we're going to start off real strong here because I think mm-hmm. we're going to diverge almost immediately. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think this is really good. So okay. So the reason that this one is on here is mostly because of me. So everyone thought this card was the most absolute busted, craziest mm-hmm. card that has ever come out of existence, and every format is completely turned upside down because of it. I would say that on the whole, that is true for legacy, vintage, 1v1 formats, modern, things like that. Um, I think Ragavan is absolutely great. You know, Mm -hmm. we're getting to the point in those formats where the Delver decks are, you know, running Delver is one of the worst cards in the deck. It's like, there's just so many great cards nowadays that replace Delver that he's slowly getting eked out, and he's been a Mm -hmm. staple in that deck for like 11 years. But anyway. Yeah, which is wild to say. (laughs) It's it's something, you know, formats, you know, and decks and stuff like that, they come and go, they get new pieces attack, and we're just seeing so many pushed cards now that those are no longer as good. It's it's, it's a really cool thing, and there's a whole other discussion around that kind of thing. But yeah. So here's the thing about Ragavan. I am actually... Um, so I was not as high on this card. Um, and I think that there are people out there that are definitely saying that it's super high and that it's exactly where it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have seen... I, I have seen this card perform. I have seen yeah. people rip a mana drain off of it and then use it to counter a spell later. I've seen <laughs> the Ragavan, yeah. you know, circus come to mm-hmm. town. I've seen it all. I've seen it yeah. all actually happen. What I've seen more often than not is that you drop a Ragavan and it does absolutely nothing. <laughs> you know, you might be lucky to get it to maybe rip something, but for the yeah. most part, people are actually trading cards to just not get hit off a of Ragavan. Yeah. Because sometimes if you get a really high card, like a really valuable card, some mm-hmm. people will just choose to leave that in exile. Yeah. Like they won't even cast it. Let's say you rip a Dockside or something. There are people right. that will actually just leave Dockside in exile just so you can't have it. <laughs> so, which is yeah. which is crazy. Now, all that might be suggesting, oh my gosh, that's why this card is so good. Mm-hmm. How often do we, you know, create our biases based upon the ceiling versus the floor? Everyone mm. remembers the time that they ripped a vampire tutor off of the Ragavan head, right, right. cast it, and then the entire the, the game was over because they, you know, that's great. But how many times did you rip a land? Mm-hmm. How many times mm-hmm. did you cast a Ragavan into a bunch of things with three power, I mean, three toughness, and it could just not connect? Yeah. And so there's a lot of these different things where, you know, a lot of people are thinking, oh, at worst, it's a mana dork. And that's not, I don't think that's necessarily true either. So I yeah, think a yeah, lot of people were, were high on this card, and I'm actually going to put it as a little bit lower. I'm not going to say it's a bad card, but I think everyone that's running red is just automatically putting their deck. I'm seeing it in Duretti and stuff like that, and I yeah. just don't think it belongs in every deck. So what do you think? So I'm. it's such an interesting card to analyze because, I. first of all, I don't think anything you said is even slightly like 
wrong by any definition, right? I so I, I'm a very mulligan focused player. Um, just in general, like I feel like that's the biggest improvement to my game was when I really started focusing on mulligans in the game. And Ragavan is definitely one of those cards that makes me snap keep hands. And I'm not saying like only a Ragavan, but if I have a Ragavan and like free counter magic in a hand, the rest of the hand can be pretty medium and I'm really happy to keep that hand. Mm. However, what you're saying about Ragavan in the mid to late game is 100% true. Uh, the worst case scenario, it's a mana dork argument is like that, that argument gives me anxiety because yeah. <laughs> there's a reason I don't play it in Dawnmaker Thrasios, even though that's like, it, cause that's a, a grindy mid range deck and I'm playing every mana dork available to me in that deck. I do not play Ragavan because one, it's not a deck designed to do well ripping cards off other people's decks, right? Like, I feel like leaner Adnaz decks tend to do well when you're ripping card advantage away from other people. But in that type of deck, I want that mid-range grind value, right? However, the greedier decks, uh, you know, not having to play things like Mem Knight to, su- to sacrifice to your calling the week... Ragavan's going to be better than that like any day of the week, right? So for it definitely has its place in the format. Um... One one specific, I guess, like hot take I have is people dash Ragavan way too often. Mm. I it's it's literally one of my biggest pet peeves, and I think it's because people are like, I need the value right now, and it's like the the whole yeah. good part about Ragavan is you go play it turn one, and then it's free generating value every turn. Every time you pay two mana for Ragavan, I do not think it's worth it because you're refunding a mana and then maybe ripping a good card, but you've upfronted two mana to pay for this card. Yep. <laughs> I think the dash is one of like the most overhyped parts of that card and probably one of the most useless parts of that card. <laughs> they just put so many unbelievable abilities on there and to mm-hmm. add dash mm-hmm. to it, it for that. I mean, I think people like the gotcha, if you will. Yes, it's like, for the, the top deck tutors. Exactly. You got it. It's uh, I yeah. vamp tutored uh, or I, you know, I, I did a tutor, put it on top. I am sealed and passed the turn and then you got it. Yeah, sure. That's it, fun. <laughs> You know. It reminds me of the meme back like when the Yu-Gi-Oh anime was first coming out. I was like, "You reveal my trap card," and that's <laughs> that's how I feel. People feel Ragavan is Ragavan. Oh, it's so true. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but in general, I think the card can do a lot in the early game. But you're 100 percent correct. As soon as you hit turn three, turn four, it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> that and and that's what I have said from the yeah. very beginning with Ragavan. Amazing turn one. Mm-hmm. Really good turn two. Yeah. Turn three and on, not mm-hmm. great. I'd, yeah. I think I'd rather yeah. have a lot of other cards mm-hmm. than a turn three Ragavan. And as so. I said, if your if your deck is full of cards with low card quality, right, like Turbo Adnaz or very aggressive proactive decks in the format, play Ragavan. Definitely, it gets you your cards back. Right, that's the mm-hmm. kind of stuff you need. You need cards that are cheap and generate you a lot of card advantage and can generate you mana. Right, which is mm-hmm. already along with the Turbo plans trying to do. Great in those decks. However, if you're trying to grind, if you're trying to go for a card advantage play and you're expecting games to go longer, maybe double check that you really need a Ragavan. Yeah, like I think one of the most misplaced things is what I mentioned. Things like Duretti. Mm-hmm. Duretti is yeah. not this combo deck. It's not this yeah. turbo deck. It's looking to do a bunch of shenanigans with the graveyard. It's looking to create these layered combos. You're not doing anything with Ragavan. You're just, yeah. I, that's what I mean. I think a lot of people overhype the card and they're yep. just throwing in everything that has a red color identity. <laughs> and I yeah. don't think that's correct. Agreed completely. Yeah. All right. Our next card 
is one that I'm super excited to talk about because this was a very hyped card and I still think it was underhyped. I'm going to talk about Esper Sentinel. Um, Esper Sentinel, the first game I ever saw it played in, two players resolved one and it dominated that game. It is such a low-cost card and I feel like that was the part that people missed about it. So when it came out, people were comparing it to Ristic Study and Mystic Remora. And first of all, if you're comparing a white card to two of the most powerful draw engines of all time in a multiplayer format, yeah. you might want to double check how hype you are about this card. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's insane. Uh, little, little known benefit of the card it adds to Mox Opal. Like, people obviously know that, right? But, like, that comes up way more than I thought it would. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, this is another one that you resolve this early. For anyone that's resolved the turn one Ristic study, you know how good that is. Like, that mm-hmm. is some of the best stuff you can be doing in our format, turn one Ristic study. Esper Sentinel says... Yeah, you can use your fast mana on other stuff. You can play me for one mana, and I will draw you cards. And you may be in a meta where somehow, in this current age of CEDH, people are not playing into Esper Sentinel. And if that's you, congratulations, you're probably in this weird Twilight Zone, and I love that. (laughs) However, (laughs) in the super aggressive turbo meta that we currently live in, uh Esper Sentinel is is a fed fed lad. <laughs> I have seen so many cards go to that card. And for one mana, and unlike Mystic Remora, you you invest once and you're done. You spend mm-hmm. a single white mana and you're I mean, it's easily been a double ancestral recall for me so many times. So many times in the game. Um, also, a big thing that came up was the Ranger Captain lines. Going, ga- Grabbing a Ranger Captain of Eos, playing an Esper Sentinel, I mean, it's a lot of white mana, right? But then suddenly you have a Silence on the board and a, a quasi-Mystic Remora effect, and th- that synergy is just insane, too. Uh, I agree. And just, I mean, everything you said about Esper Sentinel was correct. And I also think... I also agree when you say that I think that there wasn't enough hype given to this card. Mm-hmm. I mean, number one, it is in white, you know, because yeah. like you said, the two most powerful draw engines ever, and you're trying to compare it. Number one, those are in blue. Yeah. So yeah, this one, this <laughs> one's in white, you know. Yeah. And to give such a powerful card, I think people were down on it because it said when it was their first non-creature. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it wasn't like Mystic Remora; it was every non-creature. It wasn't like Rhystic right. Study, where it was any spell. It was first mm-hmm. non-creature. They're like, well, you know, that's not that great. We live in a multiplayer format where people play a lot of spells. Yeah. I this I felt this got a lot of the Crom treatment early on. A lot mm-hmm, of people were mm-hmm. real down on Crom early yep. on in its life. They never played it. Why would you ever put something for five in the command zone? That's such a horrible thing, you yeah, know. And yeah. it, and how wrong people ended up being. They were just <laughs> low on it. I mean, yeah. and this was the exact same thing. Well, mm-hmm. it's only one, and you know, it's you know, it's the only non-creature. No, this this yeah. card does absolutely bonkers things yeah if somebody gets into a counter spell war you're drawing three cards that turn yeah you know because three yeah. players are doing things i mean exactly. it's absolutely insane how yeah, that good this card is that's one of the biggest things that i think people missed is and, and you beautifully compared it to crom there because it's a perfect comparison the the times in which you are 
having a counterspell war on an opponent's turn, you're not the one casting these spells. So say, you know, player A is trying to go off, they cast a non-creature, they're not paying for it because they're trying to win the game, you draw a card from them. Then player B responds to them, and they're like, hey, I need you to have interaction right now to back me up. I'm going to cast a spell. I'm not going to pay for it. Now you're drawing from them. Yep. Maybe it keeps even going longer. The third player goes and you're suddenly, yeah, you can draw three cards a return. You can be an Ancestral Recall on one turn. Yep. <laughs> this card's insane. And that's each turn. You <laughs> yeah. know, at, you, yeah. next, four player four player format, every turn, yeah. it, this, it resets. Mm-hmm. And it's a one drop. It's a one <laughs> drop. You know, it's like, yeah. it's you play, I, I Esper sitting on turn one. Yeah. I know it's a hot take. I, I would choose it over Ragavan on turn oh, one. A hundred percent. So hundred percent same boat here. Yeah, it's it's such an amazing card. And I agree. People were high on this card, they should have been higher, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So the next one we're going to talk about is an interesting one because I think people were abnormally high on this one. <laughs> uh, and that is Garth One Eye. And Looking, this is why this is the whole reason we made this episode. I'm sorry, it's for this card. (laughs) I lied to Ian, I didn't tell him the reason we actually this is all just a masquerade to talk about Garth One Eye. So, (laughs) this is new information to me, people at home. This is just revealing, I'm just revealing, and I'm pulling back the curtain. This is actually a hidden Garth One Eye episode, okay? So, people were super, I think people were high on this card. Because of what it did, the mm. things that it represented. Mm. Holy smokes, I can cast a Black Lotus. Holy smokes, he can combo with Food Chain and I can kill you with Shivan Dragons. Or I can Brain Geyser you. Or I could do whatever. It's five colors, blah, blah, blah. And, and on and on and on and on and on. So <laughs> this card stinks. <laughs> this card is, it's not good. I, and I know there are all two of you that are still playing Garth are screaming at me right now, but that's okay. Because some, it, I think there was just the fact that the word Black Lotus was on it, I think gave it an artificial mm-hmm. amount of hype. And yep. yes, there is technically a deck out there that could be somehow construed as a, a competitive deck. I, I, I've seen it actually played in our uh, tournament. Mm-hmm. Garth One Eye was played in it. Hmm. It didn't make it to the top 16, so, but, like, <laughs> and that's not necessarily to say it's, that's the reason that it's yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it was in five colors, it was a legendary creature, but all of those key things that we want to see in the command zone, you know, when it comes to competitive, you mm-hmm. usually want it to be your combo enabler, or mm-hmm. you want it to be your card advantage engine, or something to that effect, it, you know, there are there are certain exclusions to that or exceptions to the rule. Uh, mm-hmm. Things like Silas Wren in Roger Silas. He's right. really there for the colors. colors. You know, yep. Teamer Malcolm. Tana's there mostly for the colors, mm-hmm. not only. But Garth was kind of fell victim to that. And you everyone kind of saw Garth coming from a mile away. Because when you were casting Garth, you weren't winning the game. You had all this extra setup necessary. Mm-hmm. If you're doing food chain, you still need to enable it, a haste enabler to do his effect. And so you needed, you know, two two pieces on the battlefield, something in the exile zone. And, and I could talk about yeah. it all day long. But, like, the card, I think, got more hype than it really, really deserved. And it's showing now because you're seeing it absolutely nowhere. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I was very openly 
low on Garth when it was printed. Um, but I, I agree. There was a lot of people really hyped about it. And mm-hmm. I, I think it was just, it was this appeal of like, wow, I can, I can cast a black Lotus. That's, mm-hmm. that's worth like 10 grand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's banned in this format. And it's like, <laughs> I don't know, man. It's just, it's, if there were any less restrictions on it, it could do stuff. Like if it could just always tap to make a black Lotus, then you could do some crazy stuff with like Jeskai Ascendancy. But people were going hard, like talking about playing concordant crossroads and and ephemerate to flicker your Garth and like make black like what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. They yeah. uh, they really wanted to make this work. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think they really wanted to cast yeah. Black Lotus or Shivan Dragon. They really yes. they were trying so hard and just yeah. as hard as they tried, it just never yeah. worked out. So and and you know if that's people's ish, that's awesome, right? Like if you if you want to, you know, you're making something probably under the vein of high power, and you're like, but this commander is really cool, and I want to brew around that space. I I think that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. I think we're we're more addressing the people who are like, nah, this is real. <laughs> this is viable. <laughs> Submission to the deckless database incoming. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. Uh, uh, yeah it was a little bit more. Know. I think, like I said, they wanted it to work. Yeah, and that's really what it was. Mm-hmm. All right, well, that wraps it up for this episode of the podcast because this is only a Bar- Garth podcast. So, oh man, we got to delete all these show notes. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for listening and watch. I'm just kidding. <laughs> now that our now that the Garth thing is out of the way, <laughs> now that the weight's completely off your shoulders. Exactly. You can now I can, now I can rest easy. Now the show can really begin. So. <laughs> Um, so this next duo I'm going to talk about, and yes, it's a duo because these two cards sort of fill in the same space for me as far as like same set, same idea in their play. Um, and that's damn and out of time. Uh, so when I saw these cards printed, I said, thank goodness as a, someone who enjoys playing many different ways of CEDH, I like brewing in the turbo space as well as I like brewing in spaces that are meant to completely stop the turbo space, you know? Um, it's just, that's who I am. I'm a brewer. And I saw a damn it out of time and I was like, oh my God, these are such efficient board wipes. And if you're playing proactive decks like Turbo Ad Nauseum, you really don't care about your creatures a lot. However, decks like Oh, I don't know. Say Kenrith stacks. Boy, do they care about your board state? Maybe Winota. I don't know. I've heard some pretty cool people are playing that card lately. Uh, you know, it's that's that's a deck where you really need to wipe that board. Mm-hmm. And so when Damn and Out of Time are printed, I was like, heck yeah, let's jump on these cards. Let's play them. And I think these have been super underhyped and. The reason for this, and I think this is really interesting why it's a talking point in today's conversation, is I think people are starting to... So I play in a lot of tournaments, play in a lot of open metas, stuff like that. And it feels like people are kind of giving up a bit on doing counter Nas stuff. And it might be that I just came back from Denmark and that meta is just so turbo that you're just like living, breathing, sniffing turbo all day, every day. Um, And so, you know, I'm a lot used to like the trice meta where you, you kind of play in and there's like a bunch of 
you know, lower tier stacks decks that like kind of take you off guard. And if you're playing a turbo deck, you can often get tripped up if they have like an early stacks piece. And so seeing Damon out of time, I was like perfect for these, these sort of mid range turbo or like turbo decks that can also afford. I mean, like a piece like Damn, it's two mana if you hit it off uh, an ad nauseum, right? But it also can just save you sometimes. <laughs> um, yeah. So not seeing these cards played as much definitely to me gave me a reflection of like really this is what the format looks like right now a place in which if you're playing an aggressive deck you don't even feel like you need to play something like damn or out of time and a big part of this i also think is white is not as favored in the current moment so if you're thinking about like esper ad nauseum decks esper sort of turbo decks they're just not favored because they're not playing red. Like I, I was listening to your uh, you jumping onto the mind sculptors a little while ago, talking about how if you're not playing red, you're not like basically doing it right right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and, I, and I, I, I said some things during that podcast. <laughs> some things were said. Yeah, sure, that was one of them. Some that was one of the things that was said. Also, yeah, that, that happened. And it's I, I think to be honest, I think a lot of people reflect that and they feel that. So so I think you know white heavy ad nauseum decks are not being played as much now obviously blue farm is considered one of the best decks in the format right now and it can play these options but i am not seeing them a lot so i think it's just a really interesting reflection on on what people feel they need to be doing in their decks at the current moment what i think is so interesting about these two cards specifically is kind of what you said it's there's not that often that a card or cards come out that actually tell you about what a format is or is not. And a lot of people really don't disseminate that information like you just did. Really what they say is, oh, that card's not good or that card is good. you know. And what there's not that reflection in there of this is actually helping define what is or is not a format. When you see a card like this that's like, wow, this card is really good and this card should be hyped and nobody's playing it, you have to suddenly ask the question, why? You start to question yourself. You start to doubt yourself. You're like, wait a minute. Am, am, am the whole, am I the one taking crazy pills here kind of statement? where Because you're like, what am I reading wrong here? This card is fantastic. Um, I, I was actually, I really enjoyed Out of Time a lot. I really thought it was a great card um, because it doesn't destroy them like Damn does. You know, recursion's big, but like using out of time and phasing them out, like stripping people of their card advantage engines from things like Krom or Timna or like you said, Kenrith, phasing them out, they can't get those back. They're, they're not in exile. They're not in the command zone. They don't get to choose to put that in the command zone as a replacement effect because it doesn't change zones. That's actually really powerful. Like it's super powerful. Like in some aspects, some would consider it like council's judgment good yeah you know yeah. and i see this you know as you know up there with council's judgment because you can destroy non-nine permanents with council's mm -hmm. judgment blah 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 but like you can wipe out all creatures like if there's four creatures on the battlefield they're just not coming back in a game yep. of cdh you're not yep. going to go four more turns a lot of times which you is insane because that's yeah. a creature per player that's not even that like unrealistic <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you take out two dorks, somebody's early Krom, and then, like, mm -hmm. a, a Dark Confidant or a Dalthy Voidwalker, or somebody's Ragavan, ha-ha, yeah. 
Here's your overhyped car. Get their Garth while they're at it. <laughs> yeah, or get their Garth one eye as they're waiting for it to come back around because they couldn't put the concordant crossroads on the battlefield. <laughs> See? Oh, see, this is why Garth doesn't work, Garth players. This is why it doesn't work. Because you get out of timed, and then your whole plan is destroyed. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so, but I, I agree. Like, some people are saying, it's like, I'm, I'm kind of giving up. Like, I have mm-hmm. seen... So, back when I started playing, I, I noticed a trend where people... I was just like, why are all these creatures just staying around? This was back mm-hmm. in my early CDH days. Yeah. I'm like, how in the world did that Dark Confidant, a 2-1 for 2, draw you, draw you that many cards? Mm-hmm. And I was like, because no one's playing a board wipe in this side of the format. And yeah. then we started to see things like Toxic Deluge and yep. things like that come into play. And then, you know, your Cyclonic Rifts were still being played mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But then we've gotten, like you said, so turbo and all You're like, I can't pack a board wipe. Yeah. I, that's that's too much of a loss for me. And mm-hmm. that's kind of interesting, in my opinion. Yeah. I think that's really interesting that people are like, I can't pack board wipes. I just can't mm-hmm. do it. And a, a card we're going to talk about later, I think, ties in really well into this conversation on what, as a turbo deck, you can afford as a board wipe. And we'll get mm-hmm. to that. Yeah. So I, I agree with you. I think these were very underhyped. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think people still are sleeping on them, in my opinion. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. All right, cool. <clears throat> All right, so let's talk about our next one. And that one is Endurance. This unbelievably overpushed card... Uh, which was uh, why does green get all the best stuff like i i get it because it sells commander product i get it you know (laughs) like so this card there's everyone saw it and it did a whole lot of stuff for what we thought was going to do in the format so everyone was really really high on this card they were like Mm -hmm. hey guys it stops thoughts oracle i'll just bury the graveyard into the bottom of their library their devotion isn't right and then Mm -hmm. they don't win the game you know got them yeah. um and then other people are like hey i can disrupt their breach stuff mm-hmm. you know they're doing this and i'll bury all their cards and they can't escape anymore and now they're out you know and stuff like that and all that stuff is true mm-hmm. um but it kind of it, it it's in my opinion and that's why that's on that's why it's on the list today is it's not as good as i think mm-hmm. people were making it out to be yeah so that's just my opinion like the whole breach thing Okay, you got to time it like just right in yes. order for disrupt breach because otherwise it's just not working. Number mm-hmm. one, like you have to maybe do it with breach on the stack. Maybe yeah. that's the best you got because if you mm-hmm. do it anytime after that with like some weird narrow circumstance, maybe then you yeah. then you've got it. But other than that, if they brain freeze themselves, they're just filling their graveyard again. Yeah, you exactly. can't do it with LED unless it's on cast, mm-hmm. you know, and it's and it's it, not like just... you can let the brain freeze resolve either, because then they have a ton of counter magic that they're just sitting there in the graveyard with. Right. Exactly. So you, it, the timing, you you basically have a super narrow window yep. to really actually make endurance do something. Thassa's mm-hmm. Oracle. Yeah, you're right. It, it, it will disrupt Thassa's Oracle. It, it can mm-hmm. do that. Yeah. Um, it is a creature, which is actually really nice in the aspect of most stack interaction. Won't We've gotten so yeah. greedy now. It's dispels and miscasts exactly. and stuff like that. So that has helped it. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think people just end up holding it in their hand a lot, and then yes. it just ends up getting wheeled away. And then yeah. they're like, well, that didn't really do much for me. Um, mm-hmm. So 
I'm not saying it's a bad card because it is a very good card. Yes. You know, this card was clearly pushed and it, it does it does do a lot of work. Um, I just don't think it's the answer all of our problems card that I think everyone was making it out to be for our mm. format, for our part of the format. See, that's super interesting to me because I didn't, I don't think I like heard a lot of that talk around it. And I, th- I thought it was a little underhyped when I heard about it. And not necessarily because I think, as you mentioned, like it's I, like you don't play this in a four color deck. You don't play this in a three color deck. You don't play it in a five color deck. Nope. But so one of my best friends in the entire world uh, has been playing Yison for an inappropriate amount of time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love that you use the word inappropriate and Yison in the same sentence because those just go together so well. <laughs> so it's just, it's perfect. And it's like, it's one of those things where back in the Flash meta, he was playing Loaming Shaman, which is basically endurance without the good parts of endurance where you yep. can cast it for free <laughs> just to like punk people trying to resolve Flash. And to to get people on Thoracle wins. And (laughs) so for low color decks like that, Endurance is a really cool card. And it's a really nice thing that they printed something that is good for low color decks and not good for multiple color decks. And I'm I'm so glad. It's it's like one of the reasons I was so hyped when Jeweled Lotus was printed, although that's definitely had some give and take to it. I'm so happy when low color decks get stuff that like can't always be abused by the high color decks mm-hmm. um now jewel lotus has had things like cody come out that have made it a little more like all right then obviously it's great with crom and etc cetera, etc cetera. Yeah. but <laughs> that conversation aside something like endurance i really feel like is good for low color decks allows them to just have just like the tiniest bit more game and then doesn't really do anything if you're going three four or five colors so yeah, I, I definitely agree. Anyone estimating it as like, this is the savior of the anti-Thassa's Oracle stuff, get out of here with that nonsense. Yeah. But if you're like, hey, Yisun is slightly more playable now, uh, then that's great. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. A lot of the what I've seen actual tech of this mm-hmm. card being, because a lot of the statements that people said weren't. They weren't incorrect. They were right. Yeah. They, it does yeah. stop Thassa's Oracle. It does stop this. It does stop that. Yeah. But... You just didn't actually see it get run anywhere, except right. for, like you said, things like the mono green mm-hmm. uh, decks. Mm-hmm. They just absolutely loved this piece of tech. It was yeah. exactly what they needed to stop things like Thoracle or Breach. They yeah. now had the tool to help counteract that stuff. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I agree with you there. Cool. All right. Moving on. I... It was so funny. This this is another dual pair of cards. I didn't realize I kept doing the two card thing. <laughs> but um, this this next double pair is one that I just kind of immediately was like, whatever. And I'm. It's another thing. I'm just. I'm happy these types of cards exist. So it's Harmonic Prodigy and Tavern Scoundrel, and these both are pieces for the Krark Sakashima deck. Um, Tavern Scoundrel is also a little more open-ended to anyone doing anything with coin stuff. So like Usury, which came out in this set, and then um, Okaun and Zindra Split, those also are uh, seeing Tavern Scoundrel play. Um, So I've always respected Quark Sakashima as a deck. Um, It's one of those decks that, if you underestimate it a little bit, it starts doing broken stuff with counterspells where you're like, oh, you, you get like six counterspells for this? That's disgusting. And 
that just didn't happen a lot because the engine would get disrupted. Now you have even more redundancy with these two cards and they're cheap redundant pieces. You basically have a two mana version of your Sakashima or a two mana version of your uh, doubling up Quark with Harmonic Prodigy. And that makes these decks just a little more interesting. And Quark Sakashima has kind of come in and become this new like, hey, this is the fun, cool, unique deck of CEDH. But not only that now, so you already have this like super interesting, unique angle with this deck. It also gets these brand new pieces from this set, two of them in the same set, which is so wild to me, mm-hmm. that also make you go, oh, oh, wait a minute, like, you can't let spells resolve while these two are out, like, you actually have to stop this deck immediately. Um, if we were watch anyone watching the, the live gameplay from Tier 1 Con saw what happens when you let a Tavern Scoundrel exist on the table with a Krark and a Sakashima, the answer is you lose. You lose. That's <laughs> you exactly lose that happens. game. Yep. And it, it just generates mana so fast. Like, you can if you start resolving something like a taxing probe, like oh no, it went back to my hand. Oh, I won the first time, and now suddenly my free spell is generating two mana. Or if you're harmonic prodigy, you're like tripling these spells, and it's like it, it just gets out of hand so fast and, and so much faster than it was before. So the deck was already like a, okay, you got to get some momentum going, and then it starts actually feeling kind of degenerate and feeling like like really good CEDH stuff, mm-hmm. and now it just does that more and it is just it's a really cool thing for the format because these were two cards i literally were like oh yeah hey look at this thing <laughs> harmonic prodigy especially tavern scoundrel i was like okay i i read coin flip i get good in coin flip deck harmonic prodigy i was like wizards and stuff whatever like this is some sort of weird modern plant get out of here yeah and, uh, mm-hmm. it turned out to be a real thing and see, that's the that was the one I think that really caught me off guard was mm-hmm. because you're right, the Tavern Scoundrel, Kirk Sakashima, I thought about that immediately. And, yeah. and what happens when sets come out is mm-hmm. people immediately start brewing things. Yeah. They start to come up with these combos and stuff like that. Um, so the one with Tavern Scoundrel, it was super easy to see things with, with Kirk and Sakashima. But with Harmonic Prodigy, people were like, Wait, we can we could do some stuff with this thing. Yeah. Uh, did yeah. you know that it doubles because it, it's whatever if an ability of a shaman or another wizard, so that's triggered or activated. Yeah. So, Thassa's Oracle, that's a wizard. Huh. Yeah. So and that's so people thing. are like, hey, that's two Thassa's Oracle triggers, and we're like, dude, if you're <laughs> casting and resolving a Thassa's Oracle, you're winning. Yeah, you're winning the so, game. So I mean, <laughs> you don't. That's, that's that's neat but yeah. you're not really that's a win even what are you gonna win twice i mean yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not gonna do anything but Spellseeker was something yeah like there's something there with Spellseeker, and people Most were starting definitely. to plot out lines yeah and and i thought that was really cool and then we never really saw anything from it like yeah the quintessential wizard deck and nala yeah. archmage yeah. ritualist doesn't run harmonic prodigy yeah, exactly. You know, it's just like, I, I don't need it. I don't need it for what I want to do. I don't want to have to resolve this and that to do this. I can just do things with Spellseeker on its own. Right. So I think, honestly, people were a little high on Harmonic Prodigy. I'm not mm-hmm. saying they were super high. They didn't think yeah. it was like a format breaker or anything. But I think they were a little bit higher than what it ended up being. Yeah. Um, I think people were, you know, correct on Tavern Scoundrel. Um, I think some people were brewing with that like a freet where you pay yes. zero and flip a coin. And you just do it infinite times or whatever. Yes. I created infinite yes. mana and win the game. Sure, that's that's yeah. cute. Fun fact: um, it's actually a, a protean Hulk pile. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There's. Yeah. The, yeah it, so people were doing all that kind of stuff, and mm-hmm. that's fun. 
But yeah. a lot of times it just never comes to fruition beyond yes. the Twitter thread or the Reddit yeah. thread that you might Most see definitely. out there where they brew those things. Yeah. And then they just kind of dissipate into nothing. So I think people were a little higher on Harmonic Prodigy mm-hmm. than it ended up being. I think people totally. were just about right on Tavern Scoundrel. So Yeah. So the next one we are going to talk about is Dragon's Rage Channeler. So the reason that I wanted to talk about this one was because in the circles that I run in, Dragon's Rage Channeler was not as hyped. And people were just kind of medium on it. People mm-hmm. were talking, hey, this will be really good in Modern. This will be really good in Legacy. And even the people that were talking about it in Modern and Legacy weren't talking about how good it was. Right. Like, this card was responsible for Mishra's Bobble going up to be a $21 card or something. <laughs> like, at the time of this recording, it's like a ridiculous <laughs> amount of money. So, yeah. And it's because you want to get Delirium in your graveyard through mm-hmm. Dragon's Rage Channel, or Darcy, as they call it. And I think what a lot of people overlooked with Dragon's Rage Channeler is how well it feeds Underworld Breach. Mm-hmm. You know, you're casting non-creature spells anyway. This is a one-drop. Cast your one-drop. Cast your Mox Opal, cast your Lotus Petal, you know, you're surveilling and you're building up and you can get to an earlier breach through this, your counter magic. It, it just, it goes on forever. And by the way, it can also be a Timna attacker when it becomes mm-hmm. a 3-3 three, three with flying, you know, there's all yeah. of these different things that it can do um, that I think people weren't initially thinking about when they first saw the card from a CDH perspective. They're like, yeah, that's, that's a modern card. I'll just leave that to the modern players or whatever. Right. But really it ended up having a lot more usage in in CEDH than I think people were originally letting on. I am seeing people running Ragavan over Dragon's Rage Channeler right now, and I think that's a mistake. Mm. I think Dragon's Rage Channeler, for what we want to do a lot of times, is probably better than Ragavan. So, hmm. like, for example, Duretti. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I, we'll I hate go to, there. I there, hate to definitely. keep coming back to it, but, like, <laughs> Duretti should run Dragon's Rage Channeler over Ragavan, in my opinion. <laughs> You the know, graveyard maybe, deck, uh, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah, graveyard deck, which how many decks right now are graveyard decks through Underworld Breach? So many. It's, so many. Yeah, it's in the right colors. It's, yeah. you know, it's a one drop. Uh, it can be used in turbo. And, and, mm-hmm. and so people finally started to catch on to that. And yeah. so now it is absolutely the powerhouse in CDH that I think it should have been. But yep. it was not that when it first came out. Yeah. So that's so interesting because I, I think we've literally had the polar opposite experience with this card where I feel like a lot of the people I was talking to were like, this is the the next one drop of the format. You got to play Darcy in every deck with red. If you don't have Timna, play it. If you don't, if you're looking the other way to, to Dragon Race Chandler, put it in, put it in. And I was like, <laughs> okay, guys, chill for a sec. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I... My, I have like a very succinct view of Dragon's Rage Chandler, which is if you are playing something with graveyards and you are playing Timna, you should play this card. Period. End of sentence. Um, Mad Farm, Blue Farm, etc., etc., etc. Right? If you are playing a deck that has red in which attacking can generate you card advantage. And this isn't, or if you're going so hard into the, hard in the yard, <laughs> uh, then this is the card for you. Oh man, there's so many rhymes there. Uh, <laughs> it's like we're we're building our own Doctor Seuss novel right now. It's, 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 it's coming if you up. want the card to go hard in the yard, this is <laughs> this is for you. <laughs> but I, I just I've been seeing a lot of like 
other places. So like things like green turbo Nas decks that have red and don't have Timna in the command zone, like for like things with Yidris and in a deck like that, I just I don't think it quite makes the cut. Now, once again, if you're already playing bad creatures, and and I'm gonna use bad in quotes here, right? Like creatures with card quality less than the expectation of CEDH, mm-hmm. and you're in red, then definitely swap one of those creatures with something that can get you a lot more card advantage, like Darcy can. Darcy mm-hmm. can really fix your draw a lot of the times. I have a I have a mid-range Timnacrom deck that I, I've been playing a lot of. And many times in that deck, it's just casual, like put two or three cards in my graveyard, generate some cards with Timna. And even then, in that case, that's there's so only so much you can ask from your one drops, and this does a lot for that. Mm-hmm. However, if if you're not quite getting like just that little bit more advantage of so something like Timna, something that can generate you more card adventure. Once again, if you're not going hard in the yard, then I, I think it's, it's definitely a nuanced card, but I, I, it for a one drop packs a heck of a punch. I don't know if I can agree with your Ragavan take there. That one might be too hot for me. <laughs> I'm all about the hot takes. I, that stupid monkey. That's that stupid overhype monkey. I swear. So, <laughs> Looking to pick up some fun CEDH merch that also supports our channel? Check out our store! We have a variety of clothing designs and have more to come soon, like playing with power deck sleeves. If you want to play some magic with us IRL, you're in luck! Members of Playing With Power will be attending both Marchesa, where we'll be playing in the CEDH main event, and Star City Games Indianapolis, where we'll be recording games for the channel all weekend. We can't wait to see ya! Cool. So our next card, we're going to talk about Suspend. So this is a really interesting card because, Ryan, I feel like you and I agree pretty heavily on this one. Um, the one place I've seen this card be good is in Cody. Mm-hmm. And the first time I saw that it was in Cody, I immediately asked Sick Robot, why is this in Cody? And he actually had like a lot of good explanations. I, I'm not going to try and uh, quote him because I don't think I would do it justice. But basically, there's a lot of really cool stuff where you can protect your own Cody. You can do some stuff with removal for their creatures, yada, yada, yada. On the other hand, I heard people comparing this card to Swords to Plowshares. And boy, oh boy, was that some nonsense. Yeah, that was some <laughs> incorrect. Yeah, yeah. And, and there are people who would be talking about playing this when they've never even, like, looked twice at a Pongify. And it's it just stuff like that. And I, I know you have many opinions on this, Ryan, so I'll, I'll let you, you take the podium here on this one. <laughs> <sighs> so they actually started calling the sorts to timeshares. Like, you know, because yeah, it's, a, it's a funny word. Yeah, it was like, I was like, yeah. first of all, this is not sorts of plowshares. <laughs> sorts of plowshares yeah. is the best removal in the entire history of the game at me mm. i'm, a, I'm about that take i'm all about that take <laughs> find a better one find a better one yeah like oh yeah. you want to use a zero drop one or something that has some sort of upkeep or you Bad lose the game payback. like yep. no no exile Mm-mm. any creature for yep. one mana instant speed yep name a better one it doesn't matter what the creature is there's no restrictions we're talking about source to plowshares right now we're not talking about suspend and yeah, so yeah, when please. people were comparing it to that i was like 
oh my gosh, you have no idea how high that bar is that yeah. you think that they should have. Yeah. And it's just not there. It is mm-hmm. absolutely not there. I would actually take a Pongify over this any day of the week. You know, yeah. if you're, yeah. you're not nuking their commander, they're just putting it back in the command zone. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. what critical creature are you hitting in our format? That's like, yeah. oh, I got him. You know, yeah. like, no. And yeah. even if it was something, they're like, I don't miss it that much. You didn't really yeah. mess up anything for me if I'm going to get it back in three turns. Yeah. So you're not going to shut down a stacks piece because they're going to lock the board. Mm-hmm. And they're going to get it back normally within the three suspend counters. And we could disseminate all this stuff for a long time, but this just isn't that card. You know, really, and, there's not a whole lot extra to add on top of what you said. Yeah. It's just not swords to plowshares. And and even comparing it to like common bounce spells in our format, right? Like, first of all, saying better than Pongify, like, yeah, it doesn't give them a body. It gives them the creature back in two turns, though. And then also, on top of that, like, when has indestructible been a relevant line of text and yes i get the like you can exile something like a dockside but is that something you want coming back in two turns i certainly do not <laughs> yeah exactly oh, <laughs> i don't want to give cast another one free and yeah. you know it's now, it's ridiculous like and not to mention the one mana blue bounce spells in our format that we have access to that can hit more than just creatures i i have a very hard time believing that you could convince me that suspend is worth more stock than those options. Yeah. I would rather, I would rather bounce a creature in my yeah. opinion, because mm-hmm. for one thing, those are actually a lot more versatile than yep. maybe people were trying to give credit to suspend for, because yep. you can bounce your own stuff and recast yep. it. Like, you know, exactly. the dock side example, like yes. you can't do that with suspend. Yes. It's, it's, it's a, it's a purely, interactive you can't actually do double duty with it like we can with a lot of our bounce spells nowadays, which is part of the reason that things like cyclonic rift is falling Mm -hmm. out of favor because you can't bounce your own stuff with it so yes um, Yes. and i know obviously you you can suspend your own dockside but that's it's two turns later and that's it's not the same thing as bouncing a dockside by any means no one's suspending their own dockside. No, no. <laughs> be like two turns. I'm going to get you guys. You know, yeah. like this is you better watch out. Be like, no, nah, man, yeah. that's not happening. And and as I mentioned, the Cody example, I feel like is like the one place where I even deem this a, a, a respectable option. And that's just because having a Cody come back with haste. If so, say like your opponent points a nature's claim at it and you don't have any actual stack interaction, you can exile your own Cody bring it back you can also exile your own cody if you need the one mana spell to activate the cody there's a lot of good stuff in that deck specifically um and uh anyone curious about like the 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 very detailed argument for why that card's played in there definitely hit up sick robot he'll be happy to tell you about it (laughs) and i think some people forget that it comes back with haste yeah that's what suspend does with creatures so they come back and they have haste so doing that with cody is great but you can also do the thing with cody because you have to remove it to be able to thassas and win so it's perfect because you suspend it you uh and then a lot of times it will do its trigger thing you go get your profane tutor you cast your ad nauseum you win the game right you you get to do all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. so it's the perfect one drop for that so this this kind of in my eyes falls into the profane tutor category exactly it's really good or it fits one deck really well but (laughs) people are letting it bleed into areas that really just shouldn't belong yeah no this is definitely probably the card on this list that i heard the most hype about that i was the most aghast about (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah 
All right, so let's go into our next one. So just for a little context, viewers out there, <laughs> Ian wanted to put this next card in the <laughs> in in the it's exactly where it should be category where we yeah. mentioned earlier, and I'll let him talk about that when it's his turn, but it's not his yeah. turn yet. So we're going to be talking about <laughs> Void Mirror. So mm -hmm. Void Mirror is that card that everyone saw as a really cool silver bullet stacks piece. Oh man, mm -hmm. we're we're talking Chalice of the Void Part Two, you know, and it you know uh, uh, there were people that were a lot higher on this card, and I was guilty of that. I was also one of those people. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about it in certain aspects in certain decks, and I got too much tunnel vision on it. Void Mirror is not good. It's not, um, <laughs> and we're seeing that play out right now where people are they're trying it out in stacks builds and stuff like that and it's just sitting there doing nothing and they're wishing yeah. they had something else on the board the entire time and yep. where they really literally just rather have something like chalice at that yeah. point you know um and so because of that uh people were a little bit higher on it i didn't i was i was admittedly one of those people and it, now that we're knee deep into Modern Horizons 2 CDH meta, it's not being played, and for good reason. It's just not mm -hmm. performing. Mm -hmm. So let us, let us have it, Ian. So right, get, get right, your moment right, in the right. sun, all right? Okay, just do it. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I don't think I would feel as strongly about this card had I not been tagged so many times by people, <laughs> specifically a lot of Winota conversation around this card. And boy, did I look at this and immediately go why why would you ever want to play this um now this is one of the most overhyped as well for me because people were comparing this to lavinia mm -hmm. yep. and that conversation was probably one of the most frustrating circles i was walking in for like three days um <laughs> uh, in my opinion lavinia is actually a really underplayed creature like period end of statement not in the command zone i'm sorry callahan oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Here in comes the wrath of Cal. Oh, I can just feel him furiously typing. Nah, yeah. Cal loves me. It's fine. We'll nah, be okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's good because Lavinia does suck, Callahan. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, Callahan. And please. that's our show. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, that's our show, everyone. <laughs> but like Lavinia in the 99 is like such a brutal one sided stacks piece. And this card is like kind of half of Lavinia but also missing one of the best parts of Lavinia which is the can't cast spells more than the lands thing mm -hmm. and it also just it like doesn't do it quite right and on top of all of that it's symmetrical yep you don't, it's you symmetrical. Don't, you don't break parity on it. Yeah, yeah, you don't break parity on it. And I'm, I'm one of the biggest progenitors for stop playing stacks pieces you can't break parity on. And I know Charles will have a lot to say to me about this conversation because Charles is a huge fan of of symmetrical stacks. Yep. Uh, and for good I, reason, he plays it really well. He knows right, how to. Right. He knows how to play it. Yeah. But I, I, my entire stacks career is based on the idea that you play every stacks piece that will not affect you, and you break the legs of your opponents while trying to also go for a win mm -hmm. and void mirror is a card that i read that says oh you want to go for your own game plan 
Mm, maybe not. Good job. You stopped your opponent. You also played yourself. Yeah, exactly. It, it just it stops your own zero mana stuff, which whatever it happens. It causes you to tap awkwardly during the game. Uh, it can shut down a lot of free spells. And one of the biggest downsides of cards like Lavinia is that you shut down your free counter magic for the whole table. And sometimes your opponents can have a force of will to stop your other opponent that you will stop happening. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And unlike you will Lavinia, stop yeah, and unlike Lavinia, you don't have the argument of, well, I break parity on this piece so well. You don't. <laughs> it's symmetrical. It's so bad. <laughs> oh. So... Uh, I think a lot of times also people evaluate this based upon what they consider to be a path in their head. So mm-hmm. they're like, what are you talking about? I can cast a turn one mana crypt and yep. then get this out turn one and completely hose people. And I'm like, mm-hmm. that's great. Your mana crypt, don't rely on it casting any other spell this game because of that. Like, yep. don't rely on it to cast your soul ring because your soul ring's now dead against it. Yep. Because it has to be colored mana. Mm-hmm. And I think they didn't think past the turn that they landed Void Mirror. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, this card is so good, I could do this. Be like, yeah, but that mana crypt is so much less useful now. You can only I, I, pay generic mana costs. You can't play colorless spells. Yeah. And they're starting, and they, they intentionally, un, I'm sorry, unintentionally nerf themselves yeah. in their deck building too. Well, yeah. I can't play anything free because my Void Mirror's in there and that's a nombo. Yeah. So, and so and what are you doing? You're just making everything worse to play right. this worse card. And not only that, I don't think the stacks effects on it even that good. Like, that might be my hottest take of the whole thing, and I don't think that's hot of a take, which is that it doesn't really stop that much. Like, if your opponent goes, uh, tap my mana vault, which, by the way, I played last turn by tapping my City of Brass for a colored mana, uh, <laughs> and yeah. then I'm going to tap my mana vault and these two lands for this ad nauseum. Nice void mirror, dude. <laughs> Like, but you, you don't have any fast mana now, yeah, yeah, yeah. angry YouTube commenter says. You know, it's That'd like be a shame if oh I don't know there were spirit guides if there were rituals that cost a single thing of mana like. Uh, <laughs> and, 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 I mean, and not to mention somebody could just tainted pact on instep, which costs a black, and then the yeah. oracle on their turn, which costs blue. Yeah. That didn't stop anything. Not, yeah, it stopped nothing stopped, with the Thoracle line. It stopped nothing, you know? So yeah. if you're talking about these silver bullets, this ain't it. This yes, is not I your agree. silver bullet that you think it is. Yes, I, I can't cast my Mox Opal. I also can't cast, like you said, the free interaction that would yeah. have stopped the other stopped player from winning, winning the game. Yeah. It's it just every single aspect where it could do something good, they just, they just nerfed it a little bit. And... And like in modern right now, yeah, shut down living end, got him. <laughs> but yeah, because for... living end is the 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 boogeyman of modern. Yeah, right. right. Now. Uh, it's yeah. it's actually it's kind of good, right? I think I'm pretty I, sure it is. I, I don't play modern. Oh, okay, I, okay. I, I, I don't keep up with it as much as maybe I should, but whatever. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. But I mean, so doesn't Chalice also do that on zero? Oh, yes. Chalice on Zero is a much better piece, Ryan. Fantastic oh. point you brought up there. Huh. Wow. So weird. Crazy. Ryan takes hot, hot takes somatic. Uh, tune in every Thursday for a new hot take. And what's that? You can cast it for Zero as well. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Void Mirror, I mean, just it leaves a lot to be wishing for in, in almost every aspect, I think. It, it runs the problem 
of its disguising itself as a good card by being almost there. Almost there. And yep. I th and, and like I said, like I fell trapped to it too. I'm not above this. Like yep. I, I was looking at it and starting to think about the things it was stopping and I fell yep. trapped to it. And yep. it, because it's it's almost there. It's so but close. It's, but, but it's just that little bit that pushes it over. And we just right. demand a lot of our cards nowadays. So. And that's the other thing, right? Maybe if this was this was years ago, if we're talking about like 2016, nah, maybe not pre pre partners. Let's talk about like 2015 CEDH. I think you could have a conversation about this card. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're in we're in 2021, baby. <laughs> where where <laughs> things like counter spell yeah. isn't good enough. Yeah, yeah, two exactly. blue counter target spell isn't good enough in our format. Yeah, we demand right. a lot of our cards. A that's lot. That's insane. Where people talk about mana drain not being good enough, that's counter spell that also makes you mana the next turn, and it's too slow. Yeah. So that's yeah. what we. That's the expectation we have of our cards, and we need to. We need to respect that. Mm -hmm. So this next card. Whew, we just got off talking about what you should expect from a two mana card. Um, this is by far, I think, underhyped and absolutely degenerate. Uh, I'm talking about Dress Down. Dress Down is a card that I have seen warp games. It is fantastic. The card's pushed. It didn't need to be a cantrip. <laughs> it's so good. It's so cheap. It's so efficient. It, so a lot of the conversations around Dress Down when it came out was like, not only does it do all these things, it stops Thassa's Oracle win. Like, mm -hmm. awesome, great. It stops a Dockside win. Mm -hmm. Awesome, great. I have been in a game with this card in which my Turbo Nas opponent went, okay, on my end step, I'm going to cast this Dress Down. I, on Winota, staring at my board full of stacks creatures, start sweating profusely. <laughs> I look for the non-creature stacks permanent. I go, oh, oh no. My opponents on the other board with their creatures that had some sort of interaction or value look at their boards and go, oh, oh no. <laughs> and that individual untaps, says, oh wow, I only had a, uh, it was actually Gustav playing it, playing Denmark tier one, and goes, yeah, I only had a Ikra and a Krom on board. I have like 10 creatures in this deck in total. And proceeds to absolutely go off with Bolas' Citadel that turn. And we were like, yeah, we went from from feeling like I, I I was running away with that game. I was like, I had an untouchable board state, and it was just gone. It was gone in a moment at flash at the end step. So the fact that like one, you can flash in a board wipe. It's obviously so. To be clear, I'm aware that this is not an actual board wipe. Yeah, but for that turn, it's a board wipe. So you can flash in this board wipe and draw a card. Because it needed to cantrip for some Why reason. Why not replace itself? <laughs> yeah. And then proceed to go, all right, so I don't have Dockside and I don't have Thassa's Oracle anymore. Oh, man, I guess I'm going to have to go for this Breach line off this Adnaz. Darn, you're really making me sweat for it. Yeah. <laughs> Aw. I mean, it was going to do that anyway, but whatever. Yeah, you know. or worst case scenario, I'm going to cast my Thassa's Oracle with a grip full of, like, 30 cards, and I'll bounce my dress down at the last minute, like, the card is insane. It does so much for two mana. And this is when I was referring to damn and out of time and what we expect from an aggressive deck in our board wipes. This is it. 
dress down is insane for the mana cost it even if you play a good amount of impactful creatures it's still worth it to play a dress down because one it's going to save you against any creature combo in the format mm-hmm. boom two mana sneak in shut it down it's going to save you against thassa's oracle boom comes in shut this down and uh no never mind that actually doesn't work <laughs> um <laughs> There's definitely some cute stuff. I mean, people don't play Labman anymore, but you can definitely get someone with a dress down in the Labman, which I I still find very funny. Uh, it doesn't hot. work with Thassa's Oracle, so unfortunately, because yeah. you need to let the trigger happen in the stack. But, you know, uh, but yeah, creature combos, get them out of here. Stacks board states, get them out of here. Like, it just does so much for, once again, two mana. It has flash. It cantrips. There's nothing that this card doesn't do. And I know people were excited about it, but it is not seeing enough play, period, end of sentence. It is not seeing enough play. So what's interesting for me is that people were very, very down on this card, and I think that was incorrect. And there was a couple of reasons that were I was hearing the argument why they were down on this card. Mm-hmm. So a couple of things. First of all, they were down on this card because they fell into the quintessential trap of, I want interaction that helps me win the game, not prevents me from losing the game. These are your standard Angel's Graces and things Mm -hmm. like that. Oh, I don't play Angel's Grace. It just prevents me from losing. It doesn't help me win. I'd rather have a Dispel to protect with counter magic against X, Y, and Z. And so enough people start echoing that off the walls, and then suddenly someone hears it from the next room, Mm -hmm. and they start to hear that Angel's Grace is just a bad card. Yep. They're like, oh, well, Angel's Grace is a bad card. That's not what they were saying right you know they were saying that they would just rather protect in a proactive deck mm-hmm. against you know with something like a dispel yep. so in a turbo nas deck or something like that they wanted to use something like dispel mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. people started to misconstrue that as angel's grace is a bad card with the amount of thorical we have running around angel's grace is not a bad card mm-hmm. you know if you're in turbo or something like that yeah great there's probably better cards for you but yeah. if you're not in turbo yeah angel's grace is fine Dress Down suffers the same problem. Mm-hmm. Dress Down, they, everyone says, well, it stops Thorical. It stops this. It stops that. It stops this third thing. It was running that endurance thing, right? Mm-hmm. And everyone was like, that doesn't help me win the game. That yeah. just prevents me from losing it. And yeah. I don't want that. Yeah. Except <laughs> what you just said. Yeah. Hey, most stacks pieces nowadays aren't Winter Warps. Yep. They're not void mirrors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're mm-hmm. not void mirrors. <laughs> <laughs> they're 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 creatures. Yeah. So imagine flash in on that person's instep, suddenly all yeah. the stacks has been lifted off the board. Yeah. Your sanctum prelate no longer holds back your mana. Ex- yep. you know, a million different Archon things. of Amiria, all gone. Yep. Yeah. All of those things. You're the, even the big ones, the Archons of Valor of Reach that somebody cheated out into play. Now yeah, I can't exactly. cast that thing. And another thing about this is it's an enchantment. Mm-hmm. It's not an instant or sorcery that you cast that somebody can counter with a miscast or a dispel. Yep. It's an enchantment. It's like endurance in that aspect of its creature, you know, and we don't have the spells to help interact with that on the stack. So because people have been stubbing out, they've been swapping out their mana drains and their counter spells, which counter anything yep. for the things like miscasts and dispels yep. to interact only on the stack. Mm-hmm. Whereas dress down, you can't touch it. Yeah, you're sitting there just like staring at your all your interaction that only covers X, Y, and Z, and it doesn't cover enchantments, and you're screwed. Yeah. And now yeah. all of a sudden, your Thassa's Oracle on the stack does absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. It enters, 
doesn't win you the game, now you're screwed. Yeah. And I agree with you. I think that dress down was absolutely underhyped. I think they mm-hmm. looked at the, the color blue and they said, well, I could just run counter magic. Why would I run dash down? Well, <laughs> because yeah. like you said, Winoda and stacks heavy strategies, Najila. Yeah. Najila gets stopped. Every creature in the command zone yeah. gets stopped. And yeah. it's like, I could go on for days about dress down because I yeah. think dress down is a fantastic card. It mm-hmm. was it was a perfect silver bullet against Hulbreacher when Hulbreacher was legal. Yeah. I'm going to wheel. I'm going to dress down. Yep. You know? Yep. And now everyone does get to wheel their hand. Yeah. And you didn't just kind of close out the game and just strip everyone out. Right. And that's, it's things, I think that's a, actually a fantastic example. Because sometimes people think, oh, well, I don't play against Winota a lot. I don't play against Kenrith stacks a lot. Those aren't always the creatures you have to worry about. If I'm playing Turbo Nas and my opponent is about to resolve a Dockside for 11, that, for me, I'll spend a dress down to counter that any day. Mm-hmm. If, if we're talking about opposition agent, if I'm playing a Turbo strategy where I need to tutor once and then cast by Ad Nauseam, I need to tutor once. And I mm-hmm. will happily, at end step, not even when I need to tutor, I will happily throw down a dress down to shut off their opposition agent and then go for my win. And it's it's creatures like that. So so you don't have to be playing against heavy, heavy creature stacks. You just have to be playing against something that needs to be answered, which in this format, there's a lot of things that need to be answered. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another thing is, is that, like you said, you have to sacrifice at the beginning of the end step. So you cast on someone else's end step, you get an entire turn. Yeah. Where you can just do whatever it is you need to do to help win. Right, and an entire turn you don't have to pay mana into, which is insane. Yeah, exactly. So there's a lot of advantages of this card, mm-hmm. but it was kept getting trapped under all these stigmas, and yeah. quite frankly, no one was just giving it a chance, is yep. really what it was. We yep. kept talking about, like you said, with Dam and Out of Time, where mm-hmm. people are just giving up on removing creatures. Yeah, And that's yep. what allows people to be super greedy with the creatures they're doing. The opposition agent can be backbreaking to some yeah. decks you know yeah. this the silver bullet stacks piece that you have can be backbreaking mm-hmm. to some decks mm-hmm. and and so people were only thinking about it in defensive ways when it actually does have offensive strategies shut down all stacks pieces i'll win on my next turn right okay so the next one we're going to be talking about is a really funny enchantment land called urza's <laughs> saga so everyone lost their minds when they saw this Partially because it was very one of the very early spoiled cards in yep. the set, so it was definitely setting a precedent, and people just had all this time to kind of stew on this card. Mm-hmm. On a side note, everyone knew that this set was going to be absolutely bonkers. I don't yeah. know why anybody would think anything else. They <laughs> led with fetch lands. Yeah, they led. They said there are going to be fetch lands in this set, and you're like. That wasn't even the wildest thing you're leading with. That is insane <laughs> that you're just leading with this. And so you knew this set was going to be bonkers because one of the things they spoiled shortly after that was Urza's Saga. Yeah. Now, everyone was super duper high on Urza's Saga. Man, you could do this and you could create constructs and I can go fetch anything. You know, any zero one. Wow, that can get my LED. That can get my mana crypt. That can get my soul ring. That can get my insert X zero or one artifact here. I could go yep. on forever. In practice, I don't want my mana crypt on turn three. In practice, at best, I, yeah, 
best. At, exactly. At best, if you land this on one and don't really cast anything else, like maybe you, like, what are you going to do? Land Urza Saga and then cast your Soul Ring? Isn't that what you wanted to fetch with your, <laughs> with your Urza Saga? Like, what kind of scenario are you putting together here yeah. where you're having all this colorless sources? Oh, well, I can make a, make a construct that I could sacrifice the culling ritual. Be like, mm-hmm. you don't want a colorless source that early in the game. Not yeah. a, not in the turbo strategy that you're trying to, the story you're trying to unfold to me. Yeah, yeah. Like, in this side of the format, where we are demanding a lot of our turns, we are having very few turns, Urza Saga is unbelievably slow to yes. only get a mana rock. Yes. You know? At the cost of a land. Yeah. By the way, you sacrifice the land at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, it feeds Dockside Extortionist because it's an yep. enchantment lion. So your mm-hmm. opponents get an extra, you know, extra Dockside treasure. And yep. that's not that's not make or break, but that's another point against it. Yeah. Um, and Dies I to think Blood people, Moon immediately, too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And there was all of these things that people were hyped about what it could do because I think once again, this kind of fell into some of the trappings of the other formats. Other formats were like, this is absolutely bananas. This is, this is crazy what this thing can do for us because they're running four of them. Yep. You know, if we're only running one of them and we, and if we're lucky to get it on turn one, even then it's not great. And if we're Mm -hmm. getting it on turn three, that's even worse. Yeah. So it, it feels very, it feels like gemstone caverns, but worse. Like so because worse. like turn one, you might <laughs> yeah. have the ability to kind of get somewhere with right. it. Like right. drawing gemstone caverns, turn three, you're just like, oh, that's the worst the thing worst. I could it's have drawn. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah. anyway, that's that's. I think that this was way overhyped. I don't yeah. think that this card's doing much for us. I a hundred percent agree with you. I so to bring up that great modern example i play i've been playing like the new affinity revitalized deck in modern and it's it's 100 percent urza saga best card in the deck you're making constructs i'm swinging in with 11 11s i'm getting an equipment that gives things trample it's literally i resolve this or not resolve i play a land and mm-hmm. i win the game off of it right that's super fine for 1v1 that's that's not the format we play <laughs> it's not yeah. it's just the the agency of that card if you're paying two mana into it to make a construct you are chugging along at a very different type of game than the average cedh deck you I made will, a mistake yeah you made a mistake is what you did <laughs> <laughs> i will say there is one addendum to the urza saga conversation i will say and it's i have two specific examples and then probably there are others that exist which is Magda and Elsha for me. Um, those c- decks both have very important combo pieces that are one mana artifacts. And in those circumstances, Urza Saga starts to look a lot more attractive. And because that's not just getting you a Jewel Lotus, it's not just getting you a Mana Vault, that's getting you your win con. And mm-hmm. if your land grabs you your win con basically for free, kind of for a mana, this is a whole different conversation. However, <laughs> the mm-hmm. the conversation I heard around this card, like you were describing, was like, but on turn three, I can go get my mana crypt. And you're like, so what? Yeah, you lost a land to do yeah. that. You yeah. know what you should mulligan for? Your mana crypt for turn one. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's better than Urza Saga? The actual thing the actual you wanted to thing tutor you for. Want. The thing you want to get, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Oh gosh! Yeah, I completely agree. It was so hyped up, and I was like, "What?" 
Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> in Affinity and stuff like that, yeah, it was good. It is yeah. good. So yeah. much so that people are like, this card's going to get banned. It's going to yeah. get banned. And I think, once again, this led to a lot of people overhyping it in our space. Yep. We are not 1v1. We are multiplayer singleton. We don't get to run four of things. We get to run yeah. one of something. And yeah. drawing that feels like drawing a gemstone caverns. You're just yeah. you're putting a colorless land onto the battlefield that you don't even get to keep for three turns. Yep. Are you really going to create a construct off of it? Yeah. Like, that's, that and, just seems so bad. And even in the best case scenario, think about a 1v1 format, right? You're both at 20 life. You have to remove 20 life from the game. That is two swings. So say you make an insane number, a 10-10 construct, because you're mm. playing some Affinity-style deck. That's two swings. You win that game. In our format, that is one-twelfth of the available life totals for a 10-10 creature. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't matter. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And people get super scared of 10-10s, but it's like, dude, you know you're going to have to swing yeah. 12 times for that yeah. to kill everyone and be unblocked. Yeah. Like, it, yeah. we're talking best case scenarios here. Yeah. Like, it's yep. it, it just, it's not cutting the mustard in, no. in this format, in my not opinion. Not anyway. So. And I'm sure there's that one card out there that some deck has that, you know, they're yelling and screaming right now. Yeah. But didn't you know it could do X, Y, and Z? I'm sure it can. Right. But we, once again, I go back to the old adage, we demand a lot of our cards nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. So. And it's so true. So true. Mm-hmm. Now, this next card, I'm I'm super excited because it's, I, I played this at the pre-release in every one of my decks <laughs> and i was like this is literally one of my like just you ever play a card and you're like oh this is one of my new favorite cards of all time yep and it's it's not it's it's it feels like a limited card and it feels like a fun card to play in limited and like casual commander but it's being played way more than i thought it was and that mm. card is step through it's five mana to bounce two things or more importantly two mana instant speed grab a wizard out of your deck and turns out that is just good enough. When I first saw this card, and a lot of the conversation around it was, Inala, you go grab your Spellseeker. But, uh, great. Like, totally, I get it. One card win condition. Boom. Two mana, uncounterable tutor. Love it. Go for it. Do your thing. There's so much more to this card than just that, which is not a statement I thought I would be saying. Talking about step through in CEDH. Um, but it grabs a ton of value creatures. The, the The place that got me so excited to hear about this card was in mid-range Najila lists. Because turns out there are two very important wizards in that deck. One, Thassa's Oracle. Turns out, I don't know if you guys have heard about that card, but it's real good. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. It's yeah. all right. Yeah. <laughs> and the other one is Derevi. Hmm. <laughs> Also really good. So if you're on an Najila list and you don't feel the pressure to play an Adnaz, if you're on the Deafening Silence variant of that list, uh, you're playing Fire Covenant, you don't really care about your life total as your resource in that deck, Step Through in in that version of Najila is fantastic. I mean, it just grabs literally two of your win cons. And that's uh, instant speed, once again, uncounterable tutor for your win cons. That's awesome. That is so awesome. Mm-hmm. So I'm I, I I'm just so excited that this card that I like I saw and was like, oh man, I wish I could play this more. And I was like, wait, people are doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm allowed to now. I don't get yeah. ridiculed. I'm allowed to. More than one person said it. Yeah. <laughs> and there's also just I, I really take the time 
to, and this is going to be a big search, and I'm sorry about this, take the time to go through Scryfall with the word wizard in a deck that you want to play, and you're going to find there's a lot more cards that have that subtype. And by the way, they keep printing broken wizards. They keep doing it. Oh my God, they keep doing it. (laughs) Uh, Even in the new set coming up, Midnight Hunt, uh, which probably will be out by the time this comes out, it, they're still printing broken wizards. Like it's insane. Uh, so just do that for yourself, and you're gonna be like, oh, oh god, oh that's a wizard. Oh my god, that's a wizard. <laughs> it's wild. And just you'd be surprised about how many things that are wizards in our format. Like yeah, it's it's actually like you said. You know, I think a lot of people forget that Thassa's Oracle's a wizard. Yeah. Like they're like, oh yeah, it's a merfolk. Yeah, they're like no, nah, mm-hmm. actually, it's a merfolk mm-hmm. wizard. Yeah. Um, I think a really highly underrated part too is the fact that it's cycling. Yeah. Pay two, go grab your spellseeker. Pay two, go grab your Jarebi. Pay two, yeah. go grab your Thassa's Oracle. These are win cons. You yeah. know, these aren't just like I'm going to go grab some value piece and get mm-hmm. some advantage. It's an activated ability, like you said. Yeah which you can't interact with on the stack, there's almost nothing that does it. Because mm-hmm. Stifle isn't good enough for CEDH, they all clamor. You know, <laughs> counters the wizard cycling, just saying. Stifle the new hot card. Uh, but, like, but also at the same time, you know, you, in a pinch, maybe you can cast Step Through. You're in a real bad spot if you're that casting it. That is a big it. pinch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, you're in a real bad spot if you're casting it. Yeah. But the reason that I say that is because Wizard Cycling, this is not the first time it's been printed. Yeah. It was printed once before. It was mm-hmm. printed way back in that crazy, crazy Future Sight set yeah. where they the had Dalkin all the new Aether borders Mage. and stuff like that. And it was called mm-hmm. the Dalkin Aether Mage or Aether Mage. And that card was just nigh unplayable. Like, mm-hmm. at least step through does a little bit more, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, return, I think it returns a sliver or something ridiculous. Yes, correct. But it has wizard <laughs> cycling, too. But when those cards get lost to the, mm-hmm. the, the pages of history, if you will, because yeah. we get so many new cards all the time and so many new players enter in after certain cards are printed, mm-hmm. you just forget that they exist. Yeah. yeah. So sometimes it takes something like step through to be printed yeah. for people to realize hey, this is actually a super good ability in a yeah. lot of decks. Yeah, um, and the fact that it costs two to cycle as opposed to three with Aether Mage is, is That's true, v- and it was very, very cycling big. two versus three, which made it even better. Yes. Uh, and it's, you know, put it into your hand, it's not mm-hmm. on top of your library, it's yeah. instant speed, it's not a yep. spell cast. Like, there's all kinds, It like it gets around uh, Void Mirror, which is yep. the new hot card. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna find any way to bring Void Mirror in, just so you know. Uh, you know, it gets around, but it gets around things like Chalice or yeah. something like that, or crazy stuff. It gets around Rule of Laws ability. too. Yeah, Rule of Laws. It's actually very good to go grab win yeah. cons with. Yeah, and that's what I think was the overlooked yeah. part of Step yeah. Through. Um, this thing was so low. It was so low. It wasn't underhyped. It just wasn't on a radar at all. Like yeah. no one was even looking at the card. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um in in like you can't underestimate the ability for so let's just talk about the Nujil example, right? You've been building a bit of a board state, you're not really doing a ton. And the the posturing in CEDH, the the ability to present yourself as not scary until the very last minute is often just so undervalued. Mm-hmm. And the ability to go Okay, I'm gonna hold up some interaction, or or say some of my favorite words in CEDH. 
uh, I'm just going to play it safe and I'll pass. And <laughs> famous last words before you lost the game. And so you sit there with your tutor in your hand and you're like, all right, your opponents aren't going off because they're like, oh, he's probably holding up interaction. And then mm-hmm. last minute you go, oop, get my Derevi and untap, play it. Hey, there we go. <laughs> oh, look at that. Did I just win? Oh, how about that? That's crazy. How about that? But yeah, I think it's just, it's it's a powerful card. Gives it right to hand, plays around rule of law, plays around any sort of counter magic. Now, obviously they can always counter what you play, but for something like Derevi, that's uh you can't counter creature spells with a lot of the the things we've been saying as we've mentioned a couple times in this conversation already uh countering creatures is real hard they're legitimately there there are many decks in this format and i don't use many lightly here but there are legitimately many decks in this format that have just force of will and pact of negation as ways to counter it some of them just have force of will (laughs) and like yeah that's insane so uh, it's it's definitely a really it's just cool to see such a, a unique card and and one that you really just just plays on a different axis than a lot of people expect. And to everyone at home here in this conversation today, if you think that there are any cards that we missed in this conversation, we would love to hear your comments down below on this video because Modern Horizons 2 was a big set with many different cards. And I know for a fact we didn't cover everything that was CEDH playable. We just covered the stuff we really wanted to talk about. And you know, was there anything that you were really excited about from this set that underperformed? Were there things that you were super hyped about that, that didn't do well? Things that you were really low on that you're like, oh man, that's a play? What? Any of that stuff, we'd love to hear about it because it's these conversations can be so fun, so engaging. And as you can hear from Ryan and I speaking, this is all just us getting so excited about these, these cards in this game. All right, so with that, we're going to go ahead and start to wrap it up. So really big thanks to our sponsors again. That is TCG Player, that is Dragon Shield, and support from viewers like you and listeners like you over on Patreon. If you're watching this on YouTube, go ahead and give us a comment, like the video, subscribe if you're not already a subscriber. Also, if you're listening to us on the road or on your commute or on your lunch break, give us a review on things like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or whatever your aggregator is. That's also going to be a big help for us. Uh, You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook. Just uh, follow the links in the description below or uh go into the search bar and search bar and type in playing with power mtg and if you'd like to hear a little more from me personally you heard this episode and you were like hey that ian guy had a few not so bad points uh you can go over to my youtube channel my personal channel uh, youtube.com slash comedian mtg i do stuff like top four breakdowns commentary on live games had a ton of stuff from the recent tier one con do some deck techs on the the cool decks of the format some stuff i've been brewing if you want to hear more from the guy who made winota <laughs> you can check that channel out there Well, that wraps it up for this episode of the podcast. Tune in next time when we talk more about our favorite format and our favorite game, Magic the Gathering. Thank you so much for watching and listening, and we'll see you next time.